welcome, welcome all to another episode of your favorite podcast, Targo. How the hell are you, buddy? Doing good, man. Doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, since it's not Sunday anymore, I'm doing much better. Uh, but I see you're rocking the uh, new leaders in the Bundesliga. Had to, man. I know I just wore it a week ago, but <sighs> you had to do it again. Top of the Bundesliga, Borussia Dortmund. One. Yes, sir. So before we get into that, what's drinking today? Let's see what I'm drinking. I'm drinking Roslyn Brewing Company Brookside Pale Lager. Hmm. Is that Roslyn, New Mexico, or Roslyn, Washington? Roslyn, Washington. Okay. So, town up in the mountains. <laughs> what does it taste like? <laughs> because it looks like you don't like it. It's almost more like a stout, if I'm being honest. Hmm. It tastes like coffee. Like a like a dark lager? Yeah, apparently. It ain't it's no pale, pale lager, I'll tell yeah, you that. It ain't pale. Well, today I'm uh after that result on Sunday, I needed something stiffer, so I'm drinking Ooh. a gin, gin and tonic today. Ooh, good old gin and tonics. Fresh out of lines too, so it's extra harsh. So <laughs> kind of have yeah. lime in it, man. No, I don't got nothing. It's just tonic and gin, man. It's extra strong. Keeps me awake. Well, that's good. Anyways, those are our brews. Let's get to some banter. Welcome to Brews and Banter. Make sure to check out our social media platforms, Facebook, and check out our Facebook group, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Redbubble. Check out our awesome merch on there. Pretty exciting. So, let's get into the action. First up, it feels like it was so long ago, but the Europa League second legs. I know, right? <laughs> it really does seem like it was forever and a day ago. Uh, on the 18th, we had, well, both games, AS Roma against Bayer Leverkusen. I know you have been big on Bayer Leverkusen pretty much this calendar year, I would say. Yeah, I would say so. They were on a tear in the Bundesliga, liking what Javi Alonso's doing there. And I've been uh, kind of high on Jose Mourinho lately since he's uh, his ego has shrunk a little bit, it seems like. I don't know about well, that. Well, I picked Roma. You picked Leverkusen. Um, this <clears throat> one wasn't too exciting. It's kind of what we expected. Mourinho parked the bus. And, well... Made it to yet another European final. This one ended nil-nil, one-nil on aggregate. Roma getting the win. Leverkusen had 23 shots on goal and 72% possession and still couldn't find a way past the bus. It must have been a double wide. And a (laughs) double-decker. Double-decker, double-wide, whatever you want to call it, man. Because they could not find a way past Roma. No, they couldn't. I mean, they hit the crossbar in the first half, Musa Diaby, but honestly, they didn't really create a whole much. Like, I can't really think of Rui Patricio making a really nice save. So, I mean. Not really. Yeah, I mean, a couple shots that flashed wide and maybe one where he was kind of stretching for it. But otherwise, Roma looked pretty comfortable. Yeah, it was a very cagey affair, though. I think it was eight yellow cards and almost Quite 30 a few, fouls, yeah. something like that. <laughs> it was, it was a feisty one. Yeah. As you expect in a semifinal second leg. Yeah, and it, what you would expect out of a Jose Mourinho team that's just trying to, you know, stop the buildup of play, waste some time, 
keep Leverkusen from really finding their rhythm. Next up, we had Juventus against Sevilla. This one, man, it was tied 1-1 after the first leg. We knew it was going to be tight, but we did not know it was going to be this exciting. Man, this, this was, was a real exciting game. game. I picked Sevilla, you picked Juve, and the Europa League thoroughbred Sevilla fought back from a goal down to win this one in extra time, sending them to their seventh Europa League final. Yeah, they, they were won. deserved winners, if I'm being honest with you, in that first half. They were putting all the pressure on Juve. And kind of Juve kind of got lucky on their first goal. It was one of their first attacks there. Because it was just, oh, I mean, Chesney was coming up with some saves and last-ditch tackles. It was, yeah, Sevilla looks real good. Deserve winners in this game. Yeah, I mean, Bonu had to come up with some good saves in the first half as well. You know, as Juventus kind of built into the game. Yeah, it was one of those um, off a corner header. But yeah, that's kind of where Juve were... Trying to get up, they got a corner, and they're trying to capitalize. But otherwise, yeah. it was a build-up play, man. It was all Sevilla. It was. Uh, there was an incident towards the end of the first half when uh, Juan Cuadrado fa- fouled Olivier Torres. Um, should it Oliver have been Torres, a yeah. He caught him, man. And it, was it in the box? Was it not in the box? I thought it should have been line. a PK. I'm not going to lie. I agree with you. Yeah. It he gets the top of his foot. on the line, but contact wasn't made until it was mostly in the box. So. It was close. I don't know, man. I, don't, I wouldn't say mostly in the box. I was I had to look at the replay three or four times to actually tell, but I think it should have been a foul. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they get some sort of drone system that flies above the <laughs> stadium, kind of sees the line as it happens. Needed it I for that know. call. Yeah. Uh, Dusan Vlahovic put the old lady ahead in the 65th minute with a beautiful little chip over the goalie, uh, only being on the field for a couple minutes. So yeah, beautiful strike, lovely composure, just especially for just coming on the field. So yeah, that was a nice finish by Vlahovic. It was. Uh, and then we had the goal of the match. Sevilla midfielder Suso leveled the match with a long range bomb in the seventh minute from the deep and then the match went into extra time and it took a goal from super sub eric lamella former spurs player for those of you who didn't know uh to rise above a crowded penalty area like a proverbial jesus christ of seville (laughs) with a wonderfully headed ball and send sevilla to yet another europa league final this is their seventh like i said they've won their previous six. I think I saw, yeah. Out of the past 10 years, they've won five of them. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, they've so, been, until this year, they've been to six finals, won six of them. So uh, one would say they are the uh, Real Madrid from Wish. <laughs> the, the bootleg Real Madrid, yeah. Of <laughs> <laughs> the Europa League. Uh, some bad news for Sevilla, though, in extra time. Marcus Acuna got his second yellow card in the 115th minute which means he will miss the final for Sevilla. You think he should have got a yellow card for that? For nah, a second yellow not. for a red? Probably not. But Time wasting is what it was for. He was taking a throw in. I mean, that, yeah. that sucks for him, man. He misses the final. Yeah, and he's a big player for them too, as he was for I, Argentina. I guess, I don't know. I guess my question is why couldn't the referee just add more time on? 
tell him to hurry up. I had a couple, yeah. I had another minute on. I don't know. Maybe he was fed up with him. No nonsense. I don't Apparently. know. Apparently. I don't know. So all the finals are set. We have the Champions League final on June 10th, Manchester City against Inter Milan, which will be either a blowout or a tasty affair. We'll find out. Either a blowout or a fi- one-nil win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know which one to choose right now. I'll pick blowout. Got, yeah, I'm probably leaning that way too. The Europa League final is on May 31st, Sevilla against Roma. And then we have the Europa Conference League final, Fiorentina making it to the final, beating FC Basel 4-3 on aggregate, and West Ham United, what, uh, beating Azad Alkmaar 3-1 on aggregate, and that one will take place June the 7th, West Ham. Seller so you dwellers got for these finals, the man? Premier League. Uh, that's for a later date, my friend. Oh, later, later date. You don't date. want to give me a quick, a quick nope. the viewers a quick one? No. Got to pay attention. Well, if you're Let's following us on one. TikTok, I gave my predictions. Well, there you go. <laughs> got to wait for mine. I don't like to give anything away. And I also would like to do some research first. Okay. I want to know your gut that's reactions. All my picks. As you'll see through these next picks. Um, I got those two right, but I haven't been not didn't do very good. So on the 18th in the English premier league, we had Newcastle against Brighton after Brighton's three nil thrashing of Arsenal. I thought this one would be much closer than it was picking Brighton to win. You picked Newcastle. Did not. <laughs> and uh, this was a blowout the other way. Newcastle blowing out Brighton four to one. Holy cow. Newcastle from the first whistle were piling on the pressure. And it paid off in the 22nd minute when Dennis Undav had an own goal, flicking a header from a Karen Trippier free kick into the back of his own net. Yeah, off a corner. Uh, and then Newcastle got their second right before halftime in the 49th minute. A lovely free kick from Karen Trippier found Dan Byrne to head it in. Big man. Rising above. Dude, that first half was all Newcastle. It was. All Newcastle. Like, there was, was. not much Brighton. <laughs> Their goalie had to come up with some saves. Uh, Steel? Yeah. I think it's his last I'll name. be honest yeah. with you, I don't know if I saw them get past their own midfield line or attacking midfield line very much times. either. It was ugh. worrying sight for Brighton fans. But they started the second half a lot better. Getting they on did. the score sheet, uh, Undav again, this time on the other end. Lovely ball through from Billy Gilmore. Put him in and put it between Nick Pope's legs. Yeah, that was pretty much And then from there, the- I would say it was pretty close. You know, Newcastle yeah. were obviously putting pressure on and Brighton were looking on that counter, looking a little dangerous. So that second half was a lot more open and even-sided between both teams. Yeah, I mean, it took all the way until the 89th minute. Exactly, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was close. Newcastle when we say blowout, it wasn't really a blowout till the last couple minutes. Yeah, and it was Brighton pushing everything forward. Cal Molson got behind the Counter, defense, yep. one with the goalie, slotted it in the 89th, and then two minutes later, he, provide, he turned provider, setting up Bruno Guimaraes to make it 4-1. But what a sport, man. Newcastle beats Brighton. Brighton beats Arsenal. Arsenal beats Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. 
You like how I wrote that down there? Like, mm-hmm. what the heck? Yeah. I, That's how I predicting these games goes, man. Yeah. Which explains why it makes no sense and I get a lot wrong. And you just kind of <laughs> let it out. Throw there. some out there. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Even shit sticks sometimes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> On the 20th, we had Tottenham against Brentford. We thought this could go really either way. Tottenham at home in this one. Brentford's away form, not been so great, but uh, it was anything but. Brentford winning this one 3-1. to one. Uh, I mean, it could have ended in a draw. But Honestly, Brentford this was a tale of two halves again. Mm-hmm. Tottenham cannot play football for 90 minutes. That's all I got to say, man. Yeah, First half, they, they were... That was probably the best half of football I've seen them play in a long time. Yeah, They got I mean, their goal Kane, off of Golasso, Harry Kane free, free kick. Yeah, eighth minute, his 28th goal of the season. I mean, it was all Tottenham. I was thinking, wow, Tottenham's actually going to win a game. They're playing well. And then the second half showed up, and they stopped playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and without Ivan Tony, as we mentioned earlier, getting banned for eight months, uh, the question was really who was going to step up for Brentford in this one, and inevitably it was Brian Mbomo scored his first Premier League brace in 12 minutes with two clinical left-footed strikes. Yeah, I think Brentford the first out. one was really good. I think he takes on the defender, goes left, mm-hmm. and kind of curls it around Fraser Forster. Yeah, far post. That was a nice one. And then Brentford wrapped up the win through Yon Wisa, who made it three in the 88th minute after Oliver Skip was caught on the ball outside his 18-yard box, and it pretty much summed up the second half for Tottenham, I will say. They uh, played like crap, dilly-dallied on the ball too much. Slow build up. Yeah. Yeah, you can't lose the ball in your own 18-yard box, man. You're asking for trouble. Yeah, exactly. So this was Spurs' 14th loss of the season. Uh, With nothing really to fight for for the rest of the season, we keep asking the same questions about this Spurs side. What needs to happen this summer to stop their rapid decline? New coach. New players. New philosophy. New culture. Because, I mean, barring, you know, an Aston Villa collapse, I guess, against Brighton in the final week. I mean, you, Tottenham, the highest they can finish right now would be seventh, which is, I guess, a Europa Conference League spot. But I, I don't see that happening either. I think they could. I mean, there's a chance. Like you said, it. Aston Villa will have to lose. <clears throat> Tottenham will have to win. Importantly, Tottenham will have to win, yeah. <laughs> And their last game is against uh, a team fighting for their life in Leeds yeah. United. Leeds United. And Leeds have to win that game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Leeds get something on them. With I think all those teams down there, honestly, are going to be getting points this weekend because they're fighting. Yeah. Everyone but Southampton because they're already doomed. Next up, we had Bournemouth against Manchester United. We both picked Manchester United, and you know what? They won 1-0, but I'll be honest with you, it wasn't super convincing. I thought they could have had more. I, I, I don't know. I think maybe they were – it definitely seemed, yeah, a little bit slower buildup. I think against a better opposition, they probably could have been punished. 
Yeah. But they also looked at times in control, but it's on those turnovers, man, when they lose the ball. Defensively, they look a little shaky. (laughs) Well, uh, let's talk about their one goal. uh, Oh, the beauty of a goal. It was a doozy, uh, wonderful scissor kick and improvisation by Casemiro in the ninth minute. How about the Uh, reaction, man? The ball coming to him, takes that deflection, able to get his body in position to get something on it and hit a laser of a scissor kick into the top of the net. It was nice. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, Kiefer Moore got in behind the United defense with a big chance in the 84th minute, but a poor finish from a difficult angle straight into the legs of David De Gea kind of summed up the day for the Cherries. Um, Again, I think I posted that Casemiro goal on our Instagram story. Just saying. Just saying. Check it out. This was uh, David De Gea's 500th game for Manchester United. Holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. He's been around a long time. He's the last player remaining from their last title win. He won the title? When did they win that title? A long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. I think he was like 18 years old. I remember he came over real young. Yeah. Uh, with a win in their next game or point, essentially, United qualified for the Champions League. Um, where can United improve next season? Is it striker, center back, goalkeeper? That was my question to you, man. Well, you answer first, and I'll tell you my opinion. So, yes, striker. And I think, yes, a center back. I think all three positions, honestly. I mean, pretty much bringing someone off the street would do better than Val Vaghorst has done this season. Um, <laughs> center back, up, they need, they need more depth because they, I mean, they, they do need two depth. center backs that have been hurt pretty much all season. You don't want to bring in Harry Maguire as your next option, seeing what he's done for United. And then, I mean, you got to have some sort of competition for David De Gea with all the mistakes he's been making lately. Bring back Dean Henderson on loan or do you sell Dean Henderson? I mean, probably sell Dean Henderson. He probably doesn't want to stay unless he starts this point in his career. Yeah, I think they definitely need a center back with Varane. So injury prone. Yeah, they definitely need another class defender for him when he's hurt. And then as we've seen, the Sandro Martinez is also out injured. So they got Lindelof back there. Harry Maguire. Luke Lindelof Shaw's been can, filling in. Can do a job, but Maguire, I mean... I, I don't know, maybe it's the pressure of playing at a club like Manchester United, but he he's so... Sure, weighing a little heavy on him, huh? Yeah, and I mean, probably the transfer fee, too. He's still the England's most expensive defender of all time. If not in the world. So, Next up, we had Fulham against Crystal Palace. I didn't want to pick against Roy Hodgson, so I picked Palace... And, uh, again, bit me in the butt as it ended 2-2 in a draw. You getting this one right. <laughs> yes. I uh, did. I did. I told you a draw, man. Yeah, you did. Uh, and Odson Ed- Edward, Edward, I always forget how to pronounce his name. Edward, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he put Palace ahead in the 34th minute with a wonderful strike into the top corner. And uh, Abruzzi Eze. Putting him in, gliding around players, man. He's a oh, man dude, on he fire just, right now. He looks so good. Just, I would say in the bottom half of the table, he might be the best player on any team. 
on any moment. team. So would you take Abrici Eze or Michael Elise? I don't know. Honestly, the form of Eze right now, I'd probably take him. But Elise's got to be real close behind. But, I mean, looking at every team essentially below them. I am. They're the best two players, form-wise, at minimum. Oh, form-wise, yeah. one of those teams. Which is nuts to me. And they're both essentially teenagers. I told you to keep an eye on them, man. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think Eze is in his early 20s. Yeah. He's essentially a teenager. He's still very young. Um, Alexander Mitrovic scored on either side of halftime. Got his first five minutes into stoppage time and with a penalty kick. And then his second, heading it home 16 minutes into the second half. Putting Fulham up 2-1. to one, And then Joel Ward with a dramatic equalizer for Palace in the 83rd minute. I thought as far as the shit decisions go, it was a howler from Burt Leno. I don't think it was that big of a howler. I mean, the goal was gaping. He made a rash decision to come out for it. He had stood no chance of getting to it. I thought it was a howler of a decision. He didn't make any goalkeeping mistakes, but his positioning was awful. I don't think it was. I, I don't think that counts as a howler. Then I picture a howler him making, you know, something that should have been easy for him to do, and then he messes that up. He was not in an easy situation. No. But so if he would have stayed would, in goal, he would have had a chance to save it. I still think the guy scores no matter what. Yeah. Probably. Next up, we had the essentially a, you know, what, top five clash between Aston Villa and Liverpool. And this one didn't disappoint with uh, me. I picked lots of incidents in this game, too. Lots of incidents. And we'll get into them in a second. I picked Liverpool to win this one because they were at Anfield. You picked a draw. You were right again. There you go. One, one. Draws, man. And before we even get into the game, this baffled me. I don't understand it. Jurgen Klopp handed a two-match ban before the game for his comments against Spurs. But oddly enough, he served one of the games in this one, and then he's not serving the other one until the first game of next season. There's two games left. Why shouldn't he just be suspended for the rest of the season? You can pick and choose, apparently, what games you want to miss. It literally (laughs) makes no sense. You get suspended two games, it should be the next two games, not... Oh yeah, you get a you get to coach your the last game of the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's baffling. Uh, but Ollie Watkins had a glorious opportunity to put Villa ahead on the twenty second, uh, only to uh, miss his penalty kick wide. He did. Yeah, Konate uh, with a reckless foul in the box. By the way, completely was a foul. Jacob Ramsey continued his hot streak, putting the villains ahead on the 27th minute. Beautiful cross by Douglas Louise, met by Ramsey, who started the whole play. Um, was anyone for Liverpool at fault for this one? Yeah, that right back. Trent Alexander-Arnold, my man, is defending. He got sucked in infield, didn't hang out with Ramsey, who was behind him. Yeah. Yeah. Stay with your man. Yet another one. Why that's simple. That's that, why he's making a transition into midfield, I guess. Imagine he's already if there. defending was that simple, where you just have to keep an eye on your guy, yeah. marking. Mark like, your hey, guy. You're mine. I'm staying with you. He doesn't get you. the ball. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, 
Villa was up pretty much the entire game until uh, Mr. Clutch himself subbed on for his last game at Anfield. Bobby Firmino, Mosala gets the ball on the right side, takes a touch, plays a absolutely sublime outside the foot cross to Bobby Firmino's foot, who puts it right in the near post, 1-1. Yeah, I couldn't really ask for much better of an ending. I guess the only way it could be better if it was the winning goal. Yeah. But still a great send-off for Bobby Firmino to score in his last home game. Yeah. Uh, Been a long time servant of the club. Some He's great scenes. Great scenes between Front three that him. did very well with Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah. Yeah, one of the best partnerships in Premier League history, I would say. But, I mean, some great scenes after the match. For Bobby Firmino and Anfield faithful on the Klopp end. Um, or Cop end, not Klopp. I get those mixed up. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the Cop end. You'd have to check out our Instagram story to see that. But, you know, just saying. Uh, I mean, what a faithful servant he's been at Anfield. Sad to see him go, but I think it's probably time. They knew it. He knows it. Move on for. Do we know pastures. where he's going? No, it's free agent. Um, I guess Barcelona's looking at him as they look at every free agent signing. Honestly, he could do well in some of these other teams down below. I think he'll probably go to a Spain or Italy. Probably. I'm, I'm thinking Spain. But I think he could do good maybe at a Crystal Palace. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to. Wolves? Yeah. you could. I could see that with the amount of Portuguese and Brazilian talent they have. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, where do you guys think he's going to go? Make sure to let us know on our social media platforms. Um, question before we leave this game. Should Tyrone Mings have gotten a red card for his high boot to Cody Gakpo? Yeah. I did I did see Cody Gakpo pull up his shirt and there were definitely clean marks literally from his collarbone all the way it's down. It's like Wolverine got, went after him, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he had it slashed all down his chest. Yeah, I mean, his foot was up straight into the chest of Cody Gagpo. He saw him coming. Mm-hmm. I will say credit to Mings. He got the ball. I probably that's what saved him from getting a red card. I think that's what's him. different than kind of the Diego Jota or uh, I think there was one that happened in a Tottenham game, Tottenham-Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I think it was, I can't remember who's involved. Probably Romero. I think it was Richarlison, actually. <laughs> but I know, for guess. example... Joe does when he went for the ball, the player, he didn't see the player, you know, whereas Ming saw the player coming at the ball. So, yeah, that was a bad one. And what about that Virgil van Dyke goal that was called back for offside? He was offsides in the buildup. I saw the replays. But do you know why he was offsides? Why they it's a kind of a newer rule because the ball wasn't it a deflection of his own player? No, it was off an opposing player, hmm. which is what makes it interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, it was Luis Diaz. He goes to head the ball across goal, and he has Van Dyke next to him in an offside position. The ball goes off of a Villa defender, I think it was Konsa, and then falls to Van Dyke, who then plays it into the middle, and it eventually gets put into the back of the net. But because Konsa did not make – he didn't have control of the ball. It wasn't an act of control on the ball. That's why it was deemed offsides. Hmm. AKA he didn't trap it. He didn't make a 
trying to pass it or an act of clearance. It kind of just bounced off his knee or shin or whatever. And then fell to Van Dyke, who then played it across. Hmm. Yeah, I had to read up on that one. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Because I think back in the days, those would have stood because it came off an opposing player. Yeah, 100%. Um, And I mean, if it wasn't for VAR, it would have stood, so. Okay. Next up, we had Wolves against Everton. Everton fighting for their lives, trying to stay up. Wolves safe at this point. We both picked uh, either or team to win. This one ended in a draw 1-1. Huge point for Everton. Keeps them two points out of the drop zone. Huang Hee-chan opening the scoring in the 34th minute. And I'll be honest with you, Adama Traore showing uh, why we've all come to love his, you know, thunderous runs, I want to say, because of how big he is. But shrugging, shrugging off defenders left and right, you know, because he's lathered with baby oil. Can't uh, grab him. <laughs> and then he had his shot parried. He's by, all lubed up, man. <laughs> yeah, all lubed up, ready to go. Had his shot parried by Pickford straight into the path of He Chan. Left with a simple finish. Um, I will say it was a very nice save from Jordan Pickford. Originally, yeah. But can't do anything about the finish, bouncing it right to He Chan. Everton having their fair share of chances. Finishing betrayed them for most of the match. Looking at you, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Dude, guy needs to work on his heading, his finishing. Dude, he's a striker. He's been around for forever, and he cannot buy a goal. You think he stays at Everton next fault. season? No. No, Even I don't if they care go down? if they stay up or not. I don't think he stays. Mostly because I think Everton want to get rid of him and his high wages. Because he has not done anything for them. But. Yurimina, who's been around for forever, it seems like. With the, the level Colombian. for Everton. Uh, to snatch them a draw at the death in the 99th minute. Of 10 minutes of extra time. Tarkovsky with the header across. Mina with the finish. I mean, it's scenes, absolute scenes for Everton fans. They needed that point desperately. Yeah, so now here on the last day, they're in control of their own fate. Yep. They're sitting in uh, 17th place on 33 points. Two points above 18th and 19th Leicester City and Leeds United. It's going to be a very exciting final day for the relegation race. Because what happened at the other end of the table, not so much fun. So next up, we had Nottingham Forest against Arsenal. Arsenal playing to keep their title dreams alive. We both picked them to win, hoping and praying that would stay the case. And it was not. Nottingham Forest win this one 1-0. First off, Arteta changed the formation to three at the back, four central mids, three up top. Uh, Thomas Partey essentially playing a inverted right back. He looked so, lost, man. 100%. The whole game. He is not a fullback. No. That whole midfield looked disjointed and unorganized the entire game. Why is Arteta to do fan. that? I mean, as a player, you're one of those players, you're Partey. And he puts you in that right back position. Are you thinking, what the hell are you doing, man? Mm-hmm. 100%. Are you starting to lose me? I mean, that makes me question the coach a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this was not a Thomas Partey thing. This was 100% a Mikel Arteta thing. And he essentially lost them their chance at playing in the final week, kind of, or at least being I mean, in contention for he, the title. I'd be pissed off if I was Kieran Tierney. Yeah. Your left back's out injured. You have Kieran Tierney sitting on the bench, and he can't get into this team? They play Kivior over there? Yeah. Or Xhaka, whoever? <laughs> makes no sense to me. I think Granite Xhaka was playing more as a left back, which last time we saw that was a blowout against Liverpool. So I, it made no sense to me. You've been playing so good all season. You're playing a Nottingham Forest side that, you know, if you're playing with your normal formation, stand no chance. If you play the way you've been playing all season, why change it? it makes It's baffling to me. Credit to Forrest, though. They were out there. They were physical. They got the job done. Yeah, and they took the lead on the 19th minute after a terrible centered pass by Martin Odegaard. Morgan Gibbs-White found the ball right at his feet with acres of space. Ran the ball about 50 yards. Found the ball to Mr. Clutch himself for Nottingham Forest. Awani, who uh, saw the ball deflect off his shin via Gabrielle. And ah, that, was a, that was a little Ramsdale unlucky, man. In the back of the net. A little yes, unlucky. Gabriel little... goes to slide tackle, kicks it back into Awani, and it goes in the goal. Yeah. Yeah, it was unlucky. But fun fact. Awani has provided goals to give Palace or Forest 12 points this season since his arrival from Union Berlin. Now 10 goals in the campaign. Each one of those, 1-0 wins. Well, that's the difference between staying in the Premier League and going down to the championship. Yeah, 100%. Because with these three points, they are completely safe. They are safe. Which, I mean, credit to Steve Cooper, man. Being able to go through those million players, figure out a squad. Hopefully the recruitment for next season's a little bit better. Yeah. But, but I also I'm, credit credit to him for picking this team up for a while there. They were the worst team in the Premier League. Oh yeah, and credit to the the ownership sticking by him. Yeah. Credit to them. It was great. Um in this one though, after that goal, Arsenal played literally everything down the right side of the field. Really slow build up, no movement up front. Why not switch the field? I don't understand. You become too predictable doing it all down one side of the field. It's because it's where Saka is. No Martinelli. He's out for the rest of the season. Leandro Trossard has the second most assists on the entire team. And played half as many games as everybody else. Um, Gabriel Jesus was brought down in the box on 54 minutes. No VAR check whatsoever. It actually wasn't in the box. It was just outside. Okay. Well. But does the defender grab him? Next question. Yeah. No foul was given whatsoever. Um, I was going to ask, should it have been a penalty? It was definitely a foul, I will say. I would say it was probably a foul, but I think the way Gabriel Jesus embellishes it doesn't do him any favors. And he'd been doing it all game pretty much, so. I I know that can kind of get you in trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the little boy cried wolf <laughs> and he was crying wolf all game. Yeah, he, he didn't look. I mean, honestly, no Arsenal player impressed me this this game. No, not at all. Uh, and what was a very cool sight to see after the final whistle, the city ground erupted. Probably the loudest I've heard any stadium all season. It was a fantastic atmosphere. 
And uh, with that, Arsenal doing their title chances. Fun fact. Last time Forrest beat Arsenal was in 1996. They won 2-1. Guess who scored both of the goals? Who's that? Alf Inga Holland. Is that Erling Holland's dad? <laughs> of Erling Holland. Guess what? This victory gave his son the title. So, comes full circle. Um, I think Arsenal and Arteta deserve all their critics after this one. Forrest deserve all of their praise. City clinched the title. Forrest clinched safety. Fantastic job by Steve Cooper. And like you said, good on Forrest for sticking with him. And then on the 21st, we had West Ham against Leeds, which, to be honest with you, was a huge match for Leeds. And West Ham, would they keep their form going? We both said they would, and they won 3-1. to one. They were a little sluggish out of the gates, though. You could tell they hadn't quite woken up. Maybe that midweek Europa Conference League game was keeping them a little sluggish. But yeah, Leeds United, they went up through, uh, I think it was Rodrigo. Yep. After something you're a fan of, man, the long throw. It was a wonderful long throw, too, by Weston McKinney. Found the foot of Rodrigo, who just volleyed it right into the top corner. Is that Are they okay to do that, though? Because it kind of looks like he comes from the side. He did definitely come from the side. And technically, no, that's not a legal throw-in. But they allowed it, and it was a goal. So, But yeah, after that goal, then West Ham came to life. Yeah, they definitely did. They would equalize after a wonderful ball by Pablo Fornals to Jared Bowen, getting him to cross it back to Declan Rice with a neat finish in what could be his last game at the London Stadium. Probably will be, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a legend of the Clarendon Blue, especially if he gets them a European title. That'll be huge for West Ham. Final game. Yeah, it would be huge. Uh, Then they took the lead on 72 minutes after Danny Ings sent Jared Bowen through, and he finished it neatly into the far corner. And after that, leads were pretty much done. I mean, Manuel Lanzini finished Leeds United off completely in extra time. And could it be them ending Leeds' hopes of staying up? They have to beat Tottenham at least. They have a very wounded and uh, sitting in the fetal position, Tottenham Hotspur. But they also have to hope results go their way. Everton and Leicester not winning. Leicester can't win. Yeah. So very exciting final day. We also had on the 21st, speaking of bottom of the table, we had Brighton against Southampton. Um, This one pretty much going one way and one way only. (laughs) Brighton with the victory. And Evan Ferguson with a first half brace in the 29th and 40th minutes. Man, how good is he? He's 18 years old. That's crazy, he, man. He, he, he looks is like he's good. 30 the way he, he plays. Yeah, he's an exciting young prospect for sure. Definitely one to keep your eye on for next season. Definitely. Uh, could the goalkeeper have done better with the first one of these two goals? Yeah. I th- I, well, it was like a powerful shot but it was like right underneath him and so honestly i feel like if he would have stayed standing and blocked it with his foot he could have yeah or went down sooner either one but yeah but it was one of those you know where it's like kind of right next to you and he tries to drop down and it squeezes underneath 
Those are tough for goalies, but his second one was a lovely run from none other than Kiro Matuma. Set him up. Matuma showing good strength. Perfect cross to the outside of the boot. Ferguson oh, that was a beautiful run, man. Beautiful yeah. run from it. So we come to expect from him now. Yeah. Yeah. Another one to watch. Definitely. If not already there. And then Mohamed El got one back for Southampton in the 58th minute off of a corner kick. Fantastic delivery from James Ward Prowse. Who put, uh, put it on a dime, man? Yeah. I know you've asked that question already, so I'm not going to ask it, but I have to. Does he stay at Southampton next season? No. Yeah, I know we talked about this recently. I think you said he would. I think he will. I don't think Just he because will. Because I think they'll be right back. I don't think he will. He's a Premier League player, not a championship player. Yeah, but he's also a club legend at Southampton and a Southampton man through and through. So we'll see. We'll see. His money, Trump, loyalty. Usually nowadays it seems days. like it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Speaking of loyalty, Theo Walcott thought he had the leveler in the 62nd minute, only to be offsides. But man, oh, it, so I, close, man, by a shoelace. Oh man, I hate those toe. I hate those decisions so much. I hope they change that rule. That if it, you know, they're you not, get, man. They got VAR now. They can draw the line and but show if you. The line is covering the player's toe. I think it should be advantage goes to the attacker because it's deciding more and more and more games. When I don't think things that tight should be offsides. Personal opinion. I don't think that'll change, man. Yeah. Probably not. Speaking of things changing, though, Pascal Gross with a beautiful near post drive after some lovely play to free himself from the defender. Slotted it near post to tie him for the all-time leading goal scorer for Brighton, tying Neil Mopé. Uh, Neil Mopé is their top scorer, huh? Yeah, yeah. Brighton have not been in the Premier League very long. No, they haven't. Only a few years. Uh, but I don't think the goalie saw it, pretty much any of it until the very no, last. No, because was, he was beat near post, and that's where I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Had a defender in front of him blocking his side of the ball. Yeah, but great play by Gross. I will Otherwise, say. I hate it when def- goalkeepers get beat near post, man. Oh, yeah. As a coach, it's got to drive you nuts. And as a goalkeeper. As a defender, too. Yeah. Uh, I will say about Carol Matuma, though. He's got one part of his game he really needs to improve on. It's his finishing. finishing. Yeah. He had he, he probably could have had a hat trick in this game if I'm being honest Easily. with you. Easily. Uh and then for Southampton, good news. They finally have a permanent manager as Russell Martin of Swansea City was uh, announced to take over next season while they're in the championship. Good for uh, them. Final question. Is Evan Ferguson the most exciting teenager in all of England? Who, him or Garnacho, maybe? Yeah. I'm trying right. to think of other teenagers, and they're not teenagers. They're all in their 20s. Uh, was it Julio and CISO? He's another, yeah. Yeah. Just, just Brighton players. Is that what you want to go through? <laughs> no, just the, no, it's just the three of them that I can think of that are teenagers still. Um, I get Wilfred Nanto, I think might be 19. I think he still. might be a teenager. Yeah. 
he's very exciting as well. He is. And I don't I don't think he stays at Leeds next year either. Especially if they go down. Next up we had the big game of the weekend. Manchester City against Chelsea. We thought it would be for all the marbles, but due to Arsenal losing the day before, City were already champions going into this one. We both picked them to win. It was a much narrower scoreline than we thought. But Julian Alvarez showed his class, put the champions in the lead 12 minutes into the match after a wonderful counter and a solid finish. Honestly, the scoreline doesn't do that game justice. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, 1 0. That was it. I feel like City should have had probably three. Uh, three, three or five. Any, any of those numbers in there. Yeah. I will say, though, two bright spots for Chelsea in this one. Connor Gallagher looked impressive, hit the post uh, in the 32nd minute with probably Chelsea's best chance of the game. Uh, and then Raheem Sterling, he looked very lively in this one. And they were probably Chelsea's best players in this match. Yeah, but did you see the bench Man City had? <laughs> Man, I got some Barcelona <laughs> vibes with that one. A bench with... <clears throat> Erling Holland, Kevin De Bruyne, Ederson. Who else was that? Ruben Diaz John was he Stone, on it? Rodri, Bernardo Silva, Jack Grealish. Yeah, it was star-studded and probably what was that? Like over three hundred million, five hundred million. On I was about bench. to say five hundred million, something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, City looked like champions. Their B team crushed Chelsea. So shows you how far of a gap. And, uh, yeah, what, Bully, what's that winger's name? Palmer? Yeah. Cole Palmer. Cole Palmer. Looking, he looked really good in that first really half good. for Man City. Rico Lewis as well. They're two young talents, which we're not used to seeing coming out of uh, City Academy players. Good, good to see that. Them. Yeah. And then on the 22nd, we had Newcastle against Leicester City, who were fighting for their lives in the Premier League. Newcastle just needed a point to qualify for the Champions League. We both picked Newcastle, but you know what? It was kind of a uh, unlucky draw for Newcastle, I will say. How many times did they hit the post? <laughs> uh, I know at least four times. Yeah. Leicester's defense, though, it looked pretty good compared to what it has been of late. Keeping, you kept the clean sheet, man. You went working the ass for it. Especially um, against a rampant Newcastle side yeah. that was, I mean, and the man, pressure was on Leicester the whole game. They dominated this match for 80% or 80 minutes, essentially. Uh, I think I saw a stat where Newcastle had like 367 passes in the first half and Leicester City had 76. I know there was, I saw a stat, it was in the second half at some point, 50, 60th minute, something like that. Leicester hadn't had a shot on goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Newcastle had like 13 or something like that. Four of them hitting the post. I mean, Bruno Guimaraes easily had Dude, he was like a chances. foot out. Yeah, maybe less. He could have I reached mean, out was, and touched the yeah, crossbar. His hand was touching the post. Uh, ball comes to him, hits his head, hits the post, goes out. <laughs> like, okay. He didn't even uh, know what happened. Callum Wilson <laughs> probably will be pissed off and feeling very unlucky in this one because he had an effort to hit the post, came back to him. Open goal, heads it back, cleared off the line by a defender. Yep, I remember that one. Yeah. 
Um, good, good defending there. Good clearance it, off the it was line. Good defending. And then Lester's pretty much only chance of the game came in the 92nd minute. Castagna. Castagna, yeah. Thought he made the breakthrough from point blank range, but Nick Pope with an incredible save to keep it scoreless. And Newcastle qualifying for the Champions League for the first time in 20 years. Their last top four finish was 2002, which means the last time they played in the Champions League was 2003. All right, and Leicester, yeah. man, that keeps them in 18th, 31 points, and they have to win their next game and hope Everton lose. Still a massive point for them or to draw. keep pace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a loss there pretty much would have doomed them. Actually, no, nope, a draw doesn't do it. They need Everton to lose. Yeah. They have to win, and Everton has to lose. Well, Everton can get a draw, and Leicester win. And Leicester will win, uh, go up, stay up on goal difference. So, all right, <clears throat> we have one more game this week, at least midweek, which is tomorrow uh, for the Premier League, and it's a doozy. We have Brighton against Manchester City at the Amex. What are your predictions for this one? City man, really. Nothing to play for away against Brighton. They got a B team that wants to get to stuff for. done. They still got Julian Alvarez, yeah. Riyad Mahrez. And I, I bet you think, Holland plays in this game. I think, I think that Brighton. I think, honestly, I think a full strength squad shows up. Yeah. For Man City. I don't think so. Nah. That Champions League game is not for a while, so. No, but I think the full strength squad will show up the last game of the season. Think so? Yeah. But I'm going to pick a draw on this one. I'm going to go outside the box. I think Brighton desperately need a point in this one. Point for them will officially... um, No, it won't because they're already doomed for outside of Europe, which is Tottenham. Uh, But it'll give them some breathing room in Aston Villa. So get them a Europa League spot, which they desperately... That's going to be exciting, man. I hope we see Brighton in the Europa League next year. I do too. Yeah. Imagine two teams from the Premier League and the Europa League next year. You got Liverpool, European Giants, and Brighton. (laughs) (laughs) I would be rooting for them every single week, hands down. So that concludes our coverage of the English Premier League. Targo, let's take it to Spain and La Liga, where we had some big headlines and some big matches. We do, man. We got some big headlines, some big upsets. We had Barcelona against Real Sociedad. That was on the 20th. Real Sociedad getting the win, 2-1. Yeah. So I thought they'd get something out of this game, but I definitely didn't think they were going to beat Barcelona. I'll tell you No. That. Mika Moreno, <laughs> man, in the fifth after a poor giveaway from Barca. You know, a little lucky. Goes through Tersagan's legs. And then Alexander Sorloth in the 72nd. Oh, man. Zubamendi had a fantastic tackle to start this counterattack. Oh, beautiful. He is one to watch. I'm excited to see who he's going to play for next season. And then uh, Barcelona's goal came from who else? Robert Lewandowski, header in the 90th. Honestly, Sociedad, dude, they played well, created lots of chances, probably could have had one or two more. Yeah, it was definitely a deserved win for them. Yeah, they forced their song in some fantastic saves, that's for sure. Yeah. Then on the 21st, we had Atletico Madrid against Osasuna. We both picked Atletico, and they won 3-0. Yeah, 
Yeah, jumping back up into second for at least the time being. That's right. So uh started off, they came out flying, man. I mean, they had two goals taken back from offsides, <laughs> and Griezmann hit the post. This was all just in the first opening minutes. Yeah, I, I felt really bad for Osasuna because they've been playing so good all season. Yeah, just, yeah. And Atletico Madrid tore them apart. They did. Yannick Carrasco put Atleti up just before the half, finishing off a wonderful counter. Yeah. Assisted by none other. Yep. The man. Antoine Griezmann. The pink-haired myth himself. (laughs) The legend. And then Saul doubled the lead in the 62nd with just a beautiful take and finish, honestly. Oh, yeah. It was pretty. But yeah, and then Angel Correa finished it off in the 82nd. At Lady Man, they were in cruise control in this one. They were, and Osasuna really didn't stand a fighting chance in this one. No, they didn't. But there's the next game we're going to talk about. There's some talking points in this one, man. There were some yeah. issues. It was uh, Valencia against Real Madrid. It ended 1-0 for Valencia. We both picked Madrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diego Lopez put the home side in front on the 33rd after one some wonderful play by Justin Clivert. Kind of had a turn and shot. Probably was a shot, but yeah, it was. A, it ended a, up being a pass. <laughs> and man, poor defending from Ferland Mendy. Yeah, poor defending. And then, uh, did you see uh, where Vinny Junior was running down the line, and there was a second ball on the field, and the defender kicked the ball at Vinny Junior, and he actually hits the other ball. No, I didn't. I missed that one. So yeah, Vinny Jr. was dribbling down the line, like towards the towards goal, and there was a second ball on the field, and the defender kicked the other ball at Vinny Jr. who's dribbling and hits his. Got a yellow card for it. As he should. But that was a interesting one. But then the where the action really came, man. Mm-hmm. So I'm Vinny Jr. Stay, I'm gonna try he was to sent stay off. calm for this. I'm gonna try. He was sent off. I think unrightfully. There was some racist chants going on in this one, calling him monkey. Before stuff like that. and during the game, yeah. You hate to see it. Uh-huh. Things were getting heated. I mean, and then Vinny Jr. gets a red card because he kind of reacts to being put in a headlock. Let's be honest. He was put in a headlock. He's getting choked out. The guy finally lets go. He swings an arm. The guy over-exaggerates. He gets the red card. Yeah. And then I want to talk about the replays that were showed by VAR. Because as us as viewers on TV, we get to see what VAR is seeing. And they only showed the incident of Vinny Jr. lashing out. Nothing before that. Just that particular incident, which is why he was shown a red card. And it was terrible, man. He was like, he was getting choked out. Let's be honest. The guy had his arm around his neck, trying to hold him back or pulling him back, whatever he was doing. It was just terrible. And then the racist stuff, man. I mean, Vinny Jr goes to the ref and points to the people doing it and they don't mm-hmm. do anything. Yeah. They stop the game for like a second and they say, please stop the racism over the intercom. And that's it. Honestly, the Real Madrid players should have walked off that field. Yeah, I agree. It's hundred percent unacceptable. And I, it makes no sense to me. I mean, I understand fans thinking that they can say whatever they want because they pay good money to be at these stadiums, but you can't, you can't say whatever you want. I mean, no, he's a human first. And then a footballer, these footballers are human beings first, plain and simple. 
be a respectable human being. These chants are absolutely ridiculous. After the game, Carl Ancelotti had some words to the media, and I thought he responded fantastically. Yeah. I thought the La Liga president, he had he responded to Twitter after Vinny Jr. posted on Instagram, Twitter, as his social medias, you know, kind of condemning the action, saying Spain's kind of racist and yeah. all that stuff. Dude, did you see the response from the La Liga president? God no. awful. What he's basically more blaming Vinny Jr. saying we've tried to have meetings that you've failed to show up to and that there are protocols in place. Yeah, well, those protocols clearly don't work. No, and they Because they it happens suck. what seems like every single week to the same person. It's just distasteful, the, the remarks, man. Like, you say sorry, and you say we'll work on it, or we're working on it, or we're looking into, we're investigating. Do Say something better than basically shifting the blame back to Vinny Jr. Yeah, he has no fault at all in any of this. He just wants to play football. I mean, at this point, if this keeps continuing in La Liga, because obviously La Liga is not going to do anything about it. They're not. Oh, they should. They should ban oh, every Oh, they should definitely person. should. They should cancel games. You pay good money to come see these games and you do that crap? Well, guess what? Now the game's Play over. In an empty stadium. Done it before. But, I mean, it's not just in Spain. It's all around Europe. Something's got to be done. Like, it's getting yeah, you absolutely do see it ridiculous. Yeah, like, it's happened to Vinny Jr. I mean, Mbappe's had it done quite a few times in France. Neymar's had people come to his house and racially abuse him. Saka had it happen. England, yep. When Marcus Rashford, Rashford. Sancho and Saka. Yeah. I mean, this is 2003, penalties. not 1923. Just, it's it's terrible. You hate to see it. Yeah. It takes away from the game that we're all it, there to see and that we all love. It ruins it, man. It does. Anyways. What do you guys think? Let us know. I mean, we I, I'm sure you agree with us, but if you have any other points to add or ways that they could fix it in football. Besides, and you know, what's funny is even the referee in his post-match report didn't even mention it. Yeah. Which is probably why the RFEF fired six VAR refs the very next day, uh, including the one in charge responsible for showing only the biased images to the head ref. Good. Yeah. More needs to be done about it. Yeah, but that's a start. That's a start. It is a start. Uh, coming up, though, today we have Real Valladolid against Barcelona. Yeah. you got that one. Win. Barcelona win this one. They might Barca? not have anything to play for, but... I think that they'll win this one anyways. All right. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Then on the 24th, we have Espanol against Atletico Madrid. Yeah, I mean, Espanol essentially relegated. I mean, they, they need all three points to be able to get out of the relegation zone. I don't think Atleti lose this game. Or even get a draw because they're still fighting to stay above Real Madrid and capture that second place spot. So, so yeah, Atletico, Atletico are now in second place, point above Real Madrid. I agree, Atletico. Yeah. All right, to the Bundesliga where we had a bunch of surprise results. 
On the 20th, we had Hoffenheim against Union Berlin. We both picked Union to win, and guess what? They lost. I told you, man, I can't get Union Berlin right. Save my life. <laughs> we'll just have you not pick from now on. Uh, Hoffenheim winning this one 4-2. to two. Uh, Ilas Bebu with the first goal after a terrible header back from the Berlin defender in the 22nd minute. And then uh, three goals in the first half, three goals in the last minute plus stoppage time, and Hoffenheim win in a thriller. Kramerich with the brace, putting first putting Hoffenheim up 2-0 in the 36th, uh, and then put the game out of reach in the 89th minute via the penalty spot. Aisa Laduni uh, thought he had given Berlin a hope and a prayer of getting something this match five minutes into extra time, but uh, Munis Dabur in the 99th minute put this one away. And, uh, yeah, like you said, you always get Union wrong. I do. So whatever you pick, I'm going to pick that so you don't get the point for it. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll just change my answer after the fact. I'm kidding. I'm always going to pick Union. Uh, Next up, we had the leaders at the time, Bayern Munich against RB Leipzig, who are fighting essentially to secure a spot in the Champions League for next season. And with this result, they did. Surprisingly, getting a 3-1 to win over Bayern Munich. We both got this one wrong. I thought it would be a draw. You picked Bayern. Either way, both got it wrong. Serge Gnabry opened the scoring in the 25th minute with one of his signature goals. Ferocious shot, picking the ball up and beating the goalkeeper. And then it took until the 65th minute when Conrad Leimer, future Bayern midfielder, <laughs> on a four-on-one counter, put the ball in the net to tie the match. And, man, this was really a story of Bayern getting caught on the counter. Time oh, dude, poor defending, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Cuckoo was bundled over in the 75th minute for a penalty kick. And, uh, yeah, the resulting penalty kick was put right down the middle to give RB Leipzig the lead and open the door for Dortmund in the title race. And in the 84th minute, a handball was called off a corner. Penalty was called for Leipzig again, and Dominic Sabotsloy stepped up to finish off Bayern Munich. Really was a tale of two halves, though. It was, yeah. Yeah. First and so in that, iron. so in the second half, right there at the beginning, they changed their right back. They brought on a real left right back, and Benjamin Hendricks made a world of difference, man, against Cancelo. Huge, huge. Yeah, Cancelo getting caught farther and farther up the field the whole match, pretty much. Um, and I think honestly, this game really showed the frailty at Bayern Munich at the moment. Especially they're defending, man. They are not defending well. Yeah. What a terrible Which, decision to fire Julian Nagelsmann. I, I agree. It was awful. Um, and I don't think Tuchel is really going to do much better. Quite honestly, right now, he's doing much worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is. He might not even make it through the summer at this rate. Because on the 21st, we had Osberg against Borussia Dortmund, who had a chance to go top of the league with one game left. And they did. They won 3-0, very convincing fashion. We both thought they would. Uh, Felix, that was it. 
Udukai? Udukai? I don't Udukai? know. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, he was sent off for del- deliberately pulling down Guerrero as the last defender in the 38th minute. You think it was a red card? I don't know. Was he the last defender? I feel like Guerrero kind of got sandwiched. I feel like yeah. there was a defender right there. I don't know. I don't. Either way, if he would have beaten that defender, I think he would have been on a breakaway. That's how the ref saw it. and gave him a straight red. But I don't think it would have mattered either way because Sebastian Allaire sent Dortmund top of the table in the 58th minute with a wonderful finish into the bottom corner from a tight angle, showing that he is finally back to full fitness and full form and is so cool to see. It is, yeah. And for those of you who don't remember, he was out half a season with testicular cancer. So he's back and flourishing, and I love to see it. Speaking of flourishing, Marco Royce, man, what a game he had. Had a shot saved, leaving an easy, leaving an easy tap in for Allaire to get his brace on the 84th minute, and then Julian Brandt made it a route and stoppage time with a lovely finish for himself. Dortmund, one game away from a title, and it would be their first title in 11 years. Yeah, that's how dominant Bayern Munich have been. Yeah. Very exciting, and like I said before, I thought Bayern Munich would get the title, but I was hoping they didn't. I think Dortmund might have it now, man. It's in their hands, that's for sure. It's in their hands. Next up, we had Bayer Leverkusen against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Leverkusen with the chance to uh, put a gap on themselves between them and Wolfsburg for sixth place. And uh, I picked Leverkusen because I thought they'd do it. You picked a draw. After 20 minutes, I thought I was 100% correct. Yeah, because Leverkusen were cruising in this game. They were, man. And then just mistakes, man. They made yeah. mistakes, and Gladbach scored and ended 2-2. Yeah, it did. I mean, Adley gets put through on goal and goes between the keeper's legs in the 15th minute, and Kareem Demerby headed the ball across from Jeremy Fringpong in the 20th minute. And then after a terrible touch from Leverkusen's goalie, Jonas Hoffman, uh, he punches the ball. Pounces on the ball, sorry. <laughs> pounces on the ball. Sliding at home in the 58th minute. Um, yeah. And then so their second one was an interesting goal. one. It was. Uh, that kind of def- uh, forward kind of standing on the goalie, and the defender goes to pass it back to their goalie. Pass it right back to this guy who lays it off for Lars Sindel and finishes it. Uh, tale of two halves for Leverkusen. Terrible mistakes. They got lazy. Cost them the game. So that leaves them one point above Wolfsburg. One game left. They're sitting in the Europa Conference League spot currently uh, with no chance of catching Freiburg, who are in fifth. With a minimum of a Europa League spot. So good for them. Next up, we go to the Serie A, and in Italy, man, it's been a whirlwind. Let me <laughs> say that, uh, because AC Milan are all over the place, losing games left and right, drawing games left and right, and then finally winning one when it mattered. They played Sampdoria, and they won 5-1. As we said, couldn't pick a better time to play Sampdoria. 
Yeah. Who's sitting in last place. Yeah. Rafael Liao got the scoring started just nine minutes into the game after some fantastic play by uh, Brahim Diaz. And then uh, the ancient one himself, Fabio Quagliarella. Quagliarella. Uh, Quagliarella. <laughs> scored for Sampdoria in the 20th minute after a cup a cutback from the goal line. And then it was all Milan after that. Olivier Giroud got hat trick goals in the 23rd, 29th off a penalty kick in the 68th. Um, and then Brahim Diaz chipped in with a goal in the 63rd minute after Milan sliced open the Sampdoria defense with the easiest of tappings. They played well. They did. Moving on to the 21st, we had the big game of the weekend in Italy. Yeah. Napoli against Inter. You both thought Inter's recent form and Napoli's struggles would uh, result in an Inter win. and it was Old Napoli but. showed up, man. <laughs> yeah. The the Napoli that showed a ball season. They won 3-1. to one, And I'll be honest with you, this one really wasn't close at all the entire time. Oh, it was all Napoli. But kind of a uh, similar scenario. Napoli beat Inter, Inter beat Milan, Milan beat Napoli. <laughs> yeah. And all were convincing fashions. So, <laughs> uh, Roberto Gagliardini was sent off in the 41st minute for a second yellow. Andre Frank Zambo and Gisa, the man with the longest name in all the football, <laughs> started the scoring late in the second half uh, in the 67th minute. A lovely turn and strike, volleying it past Andre Onana. Inter leveled, uh, apparently through my favorite player. <laughs> Not really, but good to see him in good form of late. Romelu Lukaku in the 82nd minute after sticking a foot out on an incoming cross and putting in the net. Strikers finish as strikers should do. And then, uh, again, all Napoli, Giovanni, De Lorenzo, Got the winner just three minutes later, and it was a golazo, man. Yeah, it was. Curler with his left foot, Ooh, where the spider the makes spider its web. spider makes its web, where it lays its eggs, anything else you want to use. Man, was it a beautiful goal. It was. Uh, and then, yeah, to put the cherry on top, Napoli got one in the 94th minute through uh, Gianluca Gaetano. Gaetano. And then, uh, yeah, Napoli, a far better team. Talking Anything? point in this one, Victor Osiman subbed off, throwing a Not fit. Not too happy. Wouldn't shake the assistant coach's hand or give him a high five? I, I don't read anything into it. I think he just wanted to destroy Inter Milan. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had Udinese against Lazio. I picked a draw. You picked Lazio. It could have gone either way, honestly. Lazio getting the 1-0 win, and the lone goal was a penalty kick in the 61st minute, 61st minute scored by Ciro Immobile. I don't think this was a penalty. Soft. Very, so very soft. soft. It if was I, so soft. If that all, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lazio had the better chances. They hit the post in the 64th minute. Udinese thought they had a leveler in the 85th. It was offsides. But other than that, not really much to speak of. Nope. Moving on. Moving on. On the 22nd, we had Roma against Salernitana. This one, we both thought Roma would win. Keep their Champions League hopes alive. 
this ended in a draw, and I'll be honest with you, Southern Tana were the better team in this entire game. <laughs> Definitely played they had some good chances, didn't they? Yeah. They took the lead early, and this one was a beauty. Oh, my god. Oh, goodness. what a touch, man. What a deft touch. Some Dennis Burkamp vibes. Antonio Condreva getting his name on the score sheet. Ball played over the top. He runs in behind the defense. Ball goes over his shoulder. He hits it with the outside of his boot boot with an outstretched leg. Top court. Beauty. First Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a 40-yard ball, too. Oh, no, it was a lovely ball over the top. And then he has to watch it all the way. (laughs) Rui Patricio just stood there and watched. Nothing he could do about it. Admiring its beauty, as he should. it really was. Um, Roma got their leveler on the stroke of halftime off of a corner, only for VAR to reverse the call because of a handball by what you would call as my guy, Andrea Bellotti. That's right. Roma did actually make the breakthrough, though. Two minutes after the half, Stephen El Shawari scored following a set piece. Um, Memo Ochoa kind of to blame for this one. Yeah, not the best parry. Doesn't parry it out or away. Mm-hmm. Falls right. Gives to it El right to El Shawari. Yeah. But Solnertana would regain their one goal advantage in the 54th minute after Christoph Pajcek, uh had a shot blocked, only for it to. Find Baule Dia for a simple finish. And uh, I say simple. You say it wasn't simple at all, man. It was like a back heel. <laughs> he did make it look pretty, though. Uh, Roma leveled the match in the 83rd minute. I mean, the ball was bouncing around in the box following a corner. Fell to Nemanja Matic, and he smashed it past the goalie. Oh, he did. He just got to hold all that ball, rifled it in there. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, some scenes in the 94th minute as Dia was held back by Nikola Zaluski. It wasn't a hold back, man. It was a pretty bad, obvious oh, yeah. one. No, he grabbed his shirt, he grabbed his and shirt his arm and around his him. shoulder slash neck, pull, and then Dia pushed him back, which caused the benches to clear and Mourinho and Paulo Sosa to be sent off. So they both miss essentially probably the last two games of the season. Next game you'll probably see Mourinho in would be the Europa League final. (laughs) Next up, we had Ampoli against Juventus. And big news coming out mere minutes before this game. I think it was like 20 minutes before the game started. Uh, The Federal Court of Appeal upheld the verdict to deduct Juventus. Not 15 points, but 10 points this time, which... uh, Dropped them down to seventh right before the game started. That was already going, already going downhill for Juventus and pretty much a 13-point swing in a matter of an hour and a half, two hours. They lose this one four to one. Crash, man. Yeah, they did not look good this entire game. Uh, they did think they had the lead off a corner when the ball bounced around in front of goal only for the ref to blow a whistle calling a foul. I didn't think it was a foul. No, I didn't think so. I thought that goal should have stood if I'm being Mm -hmm. honest. It was very, very soft. Uh, Ampoli was given a penalty after a rash challenge by Milik on Nicolo Cambrehi. Uh, Francisco Caputo stepped up, slotted at home. 
giving Ampoli the shock lead. In the Again, I thought it. I thought Juve got hard done by. I thought it was very, very soft. I thought it was a penalty. I was. I thought it was similar to that Ciro Immobile. Soft, man. Fair. And then just minutes later, Ampoli would double their lead through Sebastiano Laporto, the unluckily source from the defender, would smash the ball into the net after it fell to his feet following a corner. Again, bouncing off numerous players looked very similar to the Nemanja Matic goal. Yeah, Chesney had a nice save, though, and it kind of fell to, was it Laporto's mm-hmm. feet? And he, yeah, he rifled it into the top of the net. Yeah. Roof and of it. Roofed Bremer it, would have a glorious opportunity in the 24th minute. Probably, what was he, three or four yards out? He yeah. it over the crossbar. He did. Simple finish, open net. It looked like it almost hit his leg twice, like his knee and then his foot. Yeah. That was a weird yeah, one. Which is unlucky for him. Uh, and then Juve's problems go from bad to worse just after the half. Ampoli making it three with Caputo getting his second of the match. It was a poor giveaway. Oh, dude, terrible giveaway. And uh, Juve's own half. And credit to, was it Caputo, man? Nice mm-hmm. little chip right over Chesney as he comes yeah, sliding I mean, out. Federico Kezia got one back for Juve five minutes from time. but. This one was already over. Ampoli got a fourth an extra time through Roberto Piccoli. But yeah, for the old lady, I think it's 13 point swing. They are now two games left. They have to get, have Milan lose both their matches. One of them being against Juve to even stand a chance of champions league football. I don't think they get champions league. I don't think so either. It's a nail in the coffin. Yeah. See, maybe if they would have stayed down there, they would have beat Sevilla and made it to that Europa League final. <laughs> I think you probably would be right with that one. They probably would have had a little bit more to play for, that's for sure. Yeah. So 28 games this week. Um, we both suck, but you still are better. So I got 10 of 28. You got 12. You take home the title. We both suck. Uh, I'm worse. Four to one. Good job, my friend. Yeah. It was all those draws I predicted. All right. So let's change gears. English Premier League end of the season awards. Um, most of these stats are based off of stats prior to or essentially the 18th of May. So we got player of the season. Your nominees are Kevin De Bruyne, Erling Holland, Harry Kane, Martin Odegaard, Marcus Rashford. Bakayo Saka and Kieran Trippier. Easy decision. Erling Holland. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the man's got 36 goals and seven assists and 33 appearances. Couple of snubs, though, I feel like. Mohamed Salah, Ivan Tony. Yeah. I think Mohamed Salah is a big one for me. Ivan Tony, too, but I, I would assume the betting scandal kind of took a place in this one. A little asterisk over his head. Yeah, I mean, Mo Salah got 36 appearances, 19 goals, 10 assists. I mean, that's that's better than Saka. That's better than be Rashford. Discussion, yeah. Uh, Mo Salah as well. I mean, he definitely deserved to be on there, after, especially after the World Cup. I mean, 19, 19 goals, 10 assists. Ivan Tony with 20 goals, 4 assists. They both deserve to be on there. I don't see why they're not. Make the list longer. I don't care. Put them on there. Take Kieran Trippier or Marcus Rashford or Kyle Saka off. Yeah. 
Any one of those. Or I guess you really can't take off Harry Kane, but. No, 27 goals, three yeah. assists. All right, manager of the season. This, this is where I'm going to struggle, man. Tougher for me. I'm going to struggle with this one. We got Mikel Arteta, Roberto De Zerbi, Unai Emery, Pep Guardiola, Eddie Howe, and Marco Silva. So I want two answers from you. I want who you think is going to win and who you want to win. If they're the same, then just say it's the same. I think Eddie Howe or Mikel Arteta might win it. I don't know, man. I don't know who I want to win it. Again, Arteta is unfantastic compared to last year. Yes, Arsenal crumbled at the end. Roberto De Zerbi, honestly, is unfantastic with Brighton. He's He would probably almost want to be my favorite. Unai yeah. Emery is unfantastic since he came to Villa. Probably wouldn't give it to him because he wasn't there a full season. Pep. Neither was De Zerbi, though. No, he's not. He came... Like 10 games, not even 10 games. In. Not, he came pretty early, though. Yeah, okay. But again, um, Emery, for what he did before Steven Gerrard, you know, Steven Gerrard kind of, Asenville looks rough, and Unai Emery completely turned him around. Pep, yeah. man, Pep just is Pep, winning everything. Yeah. I mean, how can you not pick him? Eddie Howe, like I said, man, done fantastic with Newcastle. You remember a year ago, they were fighting relegation. And honestly, Marco Silva, I could honestly probably replace him with either a Ten Hog or Thomas Frank. Thomas Frank for me, definitely. But I mean, Ten Hog, if he wins the FA Cup, wins two trophies in his first season, gets United Champions League football. Yeah, I always feel like they do these awards too early. Like, it should be once the season's over. I agree. FA Cup. But I so guess this is Premier League, so none of that matters, right? Yeah. Who do you want to win it? Oh, of course I want Arteta to win it. Yeah. I I think he will win it just because he has the most manager of the month titles. And previously, that's usually what happens. Um, but I'll be honest with you. It's probably between him and Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe's done great. If you look at that Newcastle squad on paper, they don't. They normally wouldn't get anywhere near. They're a Champions League team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But Eddie Howe's done a magnificent job. Shows how good of a coach he is. I I want Unai Emery to win it. I'll be honest with you. Really? Yeah. The amazing job he's done taking Villa from what was it, 18th place, all the way to a Europa League spot, pretty much. Yeah, he's done fantastic. And he when did he take over? Steven Gerrard, right after the World Cup, I believe. It, it was. That's what I was going to say. It was just right after the World Cup. Or he took over during the World Cup break. One of the two. Because he did. He was in charge in January because he made a couple signings. So, yeah, I, he's done a wonderful job. And just that in itself, I think he deserves to at least be in the discussion in the top one or two. Deserby as well, but. Una Emery, just in such a short amount of time, he's done so much. Okay. Next up, probably the most stacked list of all of these. Young player of the season. Putting this in mind, usually the person that wins player of the season does not win young player of the season. 
So we have Sven Botman, Moises Caicedo, Erling Holland, Alexander Isak, Alexis McAllister, Gabriel Martinelli, Martin Odegaard, and Mikhail Sok. And yeah, because I picked Erling Holland to win player of the season, I will not be picking him for young player. Yeah. Uh, for me, this goes two ways. Martin Odegaard, Bukayo Saka. Yeah, I think Sven Botman probably could give him a run for their money, the way he's been playing this season. But yeah, I think it's, this is, if Erling Holland wins player of the year, Martin Odegaard wins young player of the season, hands down. You think Odegaard? Yeah. I Saka maybe because he's the only player with over ten goals and ten assists besides Mohamed Salah. And so yeah, how is Salah not on the player of the season, man? I don't know. I don't know. Travesty, yeah. Yeah. So I think I think Odegaard probably for me. I would say yeah, Odegaard the way or Saka he's played this season compared to last season. He does he definitely has have had he's had the biggest step up from last season for sure yeah definitely well what do you guys think let us know your choices for premier league player manager and young player of the season on let's on our facebook group bruising yeah. banter fc and also don't forget to check out our instagram tiktok youtube channel and our Redbubble where you can get some merch the one way and one way only shirts man <laughs> But on that note, that brings us to the end of this episode. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers.